Or Genesis 15 and verse 1 it said after these things the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying fear not Abram I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward also Ephesians 6 and verse 11 let's pick it up there it says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all... Taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. We'll let you be seated this evening. I'd like to speak to you this evening on our the shield of faith. The shield of faith. And we I want to look back at our first scripture there about Abraham saying, Fear, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram. And if we would read the previous chapter, we'd find Abraham coming back and from the slaughter of the kings. We know the scriptures of how Lot was taken from Sodom and Gomorrah and, and him and his possessions. And, and they were taken into captivity and Abraham armed his servants and he went after his brother. And here he comes back, and no doubt maybe he was facing fears and thoughts of maybe re retaliation from these kingdoms he had defeated, not knowing maybe what repercussions he would face. But in the middle of all that worry and all that maybe fear and things that were happening, you know, the thoughts and the mind battles he may have been going through, God came down and said, I am thy shield. I will cover you. I'll be your protector. I am your shield. And 
Now in the chapter we see that Lot went for, where Lot went for protection. Sometimes if you can't see what will work, maybe you can see what won't work. And Lot, as he went to Sodom and he went that away and he found walls of, he thought were walls of safety and he found a, a government that he could maybe depend upon or somewhere he could go and, and he could maybe protect his family and things he would try on his own, that wouldn't give him protection. There's only one thing that could protect him in the hour that he lived in, and that was God. But he wasn't in the land. He wasn't in the place of the promises. Amen. And so we find that he was taken into captivity, and he lost everything. And so we, almost, we also must not lean on our own understanding. What we think will get us to a better place. What we think will do this or we think will do that. But we're to cast down reasonings. Amen. And everything that exalted itself above the throne of God and the knowledge of God. Amen. So we, we see here that we must depend in the middle of our battles, in the middle of our things that we face on an unfailing God and, and a God who cannot fail. Amen. God, as we also look at this shield for a moment, we can see God used the blood of a lamb for a shield to, to shield the people from a death angel that was going through the land. Amen. And he had a provided way. He had a way that it was to do. You had to do a certain thing. Had to kill a lamb. Had to put it up on the doorpost. And people could try to do their own thing. Brother Branham said you could have a bucket of the blood in the back there. But that wouldn't do you a bit of good if you didn't follow the program of God. But if you followed the program of God, it was a shield. Amen. It was, a, it was something that would keep you from death. And, and we also see as it continued on in, in Rahab, the, uh, the cord that was put down uh, from her window. And we know the story there of how she was saved in the middle of the battles and the, and the destruction of her city. And, and all the other people, no doubt, are relying on armies and walls and things that would maybe protect them. But Rahab was relying on a promise that was given to her. And it was a promise, if you hang this cord, I will remember my covenant and, and I'll save you and your household. And we see that God protected her during that time. So nothing else worked but the blood. If you didn't have the shield of the blood over the doorpost, if you didn't have the scarlet cord, as he said, you would die. The death came into your household. Amen. And so we see this shield and, and Paul speaks of this shield of faith. As a matter of fact, he says, above all, have the shield of faith. Amen. It's one of the greatest things because if we don't have the shield, we're not protected from the fiery darts of the enemy and, and the enemy's attack and how he comes and, and he fires every day. Every day he fires. That's his job. We, don't, we can't expect to get up and not expect attacks and not expect threats and not expect things to happen in our life. Amen? Amen. But we always will have those things. That's his job. But we have a protector that's among us. We have a shield that was given to us. And, and when Paul wrote this letter to the church of Ephesus, he gave a full description of the spiritual weapons God has provided to every believer. Yes. Amen. In Ephesians 6, he referred to the shield of faith. And he said, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I love how he put it that way, all the fiery darts. No matter what he comes your way, no matter what he fires your way, he might get up in the morning and decide he's going to fire this way and he's going to come a different way. It doesn't matter. The shield of faith is there to stop him. Amen. But as he wrote this, it was with the image of a Roman soldier that stood before him. And Paul used the Roman soldier's shield to illustrate the shield of faith that God was providing for you and me. 
And the word shield, it comes from a word, uh, 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 thurios, which is used by the Greeks and Romans to depict a door. It's oblong and it's wide, and, and, but it's long and longer in length. And the reason the soldiers would use this, you could picture that door there. They would use this because it protected everything that they had. It protected them from the head to the foot. Amen. It protected them all the way around. It was their protection. It wasn't as long as they had this shield before them. Amen. The enemy could not penetrate. The enemy could not come in with his, his thoughts and his thinking and his ideas and his swords and his spears and his arrows. But there was something there to protect him from that. And so we see the reason... Uh, as they used that, it was wide and it was long, and it completely covered the Roman soldiers. And this is why the Holy Spirit would instruct Paul to use this same word. He was telling us that God has given us enough faith. Enough faith to make certain we are completely covered in every situation. Amen. Completely covered in every situation. Just like the shield that completely covered a Roman soldier. In Romans 12, 3, Paul wrote, God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. How much faith has God given you? He's given you enough faith to make sure you're covered for any event that comes along in your life. Hallelujah. So you don't need to worry or fret that God has given more faith to others than he's given to you. Rest assured that of this fact that God has imparted enough faith to make sure you're covered from head to toe. That faith is like a wide and long shield. It's adequate, adequate to cover any need that will ever come along in your life. That faith is good enough for any sickness. That faith is good enough for any tormenting spirit. That faith is good enough for any depression or anxiety or any fear. It's good enough. In the majority of cases, the Roman soldier's shield was composed of multiple layers of thick animal hide. You know, you'd think of a shield maybe being steel. Or something, but could you imagine how heavy steel would be to cover, especially the size maybe close to that door that would cover you from head to toe and as wide as it would be heavy. So they would use animal hide and it was specially tanned, it was woven together so tightly that it became nearly as strong as steel. And then one piece of the leather was tough, but imagine how tough and durable six to seven layers of, of, of this leather would be. So because of how it was made, the shield of a Roman soldier was extremely tough and exceptionally durable. However, here's a key right here. However, the Roman soldier's uh, leather shield could become stiff and breakable over a period of time if it wasn't properly taken care of. Therefore, it was necessary for him to know how to take care of it. And so in order to keep those shields in good shape, the soldier was given a daily schedule. And he was to maintain every, every morning. He was to take oil. And he was to pour it upon that shield. And he would begin to rub it and rub it and rub it. He'd rub it on Wednesday. He'd rub it on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. It wasn't just a Wednesday and Sunday morning affair. It was every day. He would begin to rub it. He would begin to anoint it. He would begin to put, it, put that oil upon it so it would be soft and susceptible and pliable. Any soldier who neglected this daily application of oil 
and allowed his shield to go without the necessary care was in fact inviting certain death. If not correctly cared for and properly maintained, the leather portion of the shield would harden and crack when put under pressure and finally fall to pieces. This is why it's important to feed on the word daily. You're all in your shield. It's important to read your Bible and pray. It's important to listen to tapes. It's important to, to do those things. Why? Because the fiery darts of the enemy don't stop. They come every day. They come every moment. Every, at least expecting it. Here they are. But if you're constantly in prayer and, and supplication and reading your Bible and seeking after the things of God, you wonder why the, the enemy is striking you as hard as you are, he is. You wonder why it's harder sometimes to turn your eyes from the things of this world. Because you're not old in your shield. Amen. Paul says the shield is a representative of our faith. This tells us that our faith, like the shield in Paul's illustration, requires frequent anointings of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Frequent anointings of the Holy Spirit. Well, I ain't felt them in a long time. Well, what is your shield looking like? I haven't been in his presence enough. I haven't, I haven't fed upon his word. No wonder the enemy is coming in. No wonder things are happening in your life when, when you haven't been doing the very things to help you for your protection. No wonder your faith is weak when you've been feeding on the wrong things. He said you're to all it. Every day, without a fresh touch of God's Spirit in our lives, our faith becomes hard, it becomes stiff, and it becomes brittle. What happens when you ignore your faith and allow it to go undeveloped? It's what, what's the result of never seeking a fresh anointing of God's Spirit to come into your life. Every day we ought to be seeking a fresh anointing. Pull your spirit out on me. That's not just a Wednesday and Sunday song. I give myself away. That's not just a Wednesday and Sunday song. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Let your spirit, let your fire fall on me. That's not just a Wednesday and Sunday song. That's every day. God, pour your spirit out upon me. Pour it out on my children. Pour it out on my family. A faith that is ignored nearly always breaks and falls to pieces in the middle of confrontation. Your faith always needs a fresh anointing. Because without the anointing, it's nothing but intellectual conception. It's humanity put together some wood and some leather. Got it all fitting together. But without the anointing on it, Satan can have his way. He can talk you out of it. He can talk you into it. He can talk you all kinds of things. Put all kinds of thoughts in your mind. Amen. Amen. We can read this. We know this is from the message. He says, Jesus is a manna. He said it's a fresh, new, everyday experience. I believe that's what we ought to be searching for. Amen. How many has the heart's desire for tonight? God, give me a fresh experience. Amen. Not, not just be dependent upon yesterday's manna or, or last week or last meeting. Or, God, I'm not even waiting till the next meeting. Every day, God, let me find a place where I, I can be in your presence and, and I can hold my shield. 
and I can apply a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. Manna comes from God out of heaven fresh every day. Well, we can't say, well, two weeks ago I had a great experience of God. What about right now? Every day, fresh, a new blessing, new something coming from God, hidden manna coming down from God out of heaven. The Bible says he's a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. If we had infirmity tonight or you know someone who has an infirmity tonight, if you just believe and pray and you ask God, God will come on. He said, but the trouble with the American people, we've seen it so much, it's become too common to us. An old sailor coming from the sea, you know, where goest thou, good man? I'm going to the sea. I've wrote about it, and I've read about it, and I've learned. He said, oh, that sea is nothing but a bunch of nonsense. The gulls hollering, all that stuff just drives me nuts. Nothing thrilling to see there. I was born in it more than 40 years ago. It had become common to him. And he said, that's what's the matter with the full gospel people. But the hour will soon come where you cry for it, and it won't be there. He said, let it never become old to you. Let not the moving of the Holy Spirit become an old thing. May it always be fresh and new. May every act of God thrill my soul. I'm amazed each night, he says, each day as I walk along and I see him as he tells things. See, it happens just exactly that way. And he'll predict it months before it comes to pass and watch it come to pass and not one iota fail. His word cannot fail. He's God. And if he promised it, he will do it. Israel received a new fresh bread every night coming down from heaven from their journey. Amen. Coming from out out of heaven for the journey. Christ is our life, the bread of life. And every day, We are to receive the freshness from Christ every day, he said. Not just Wednesdays, not just Sundays. Amen. Every day. The bread of life. Every day we receive a freshness from Christ, from heaven. The Holy Spirit coming down upon the believer every day, fresh. Yesterday's experience, many of us live on yesterday's experience. You cannot do that. It's today's experience. It's what's the matter with our people. They're living on the experience, the denomination. They're living on the experience of John Wesley or Dwight Moody or this one or that one, Calvin Knox. Many of them back, they're living on that experience. But remember the bread that fell. They tried to keep it over to the next day. It contaminated and maggots got into it. Well, I tell you what, Brother Timothy, I've been in this message longer than you've been here on earth. Well, get a fresh and update experience. Something that energizes you. Something that excites you to say, hey, David, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm excited to be there. Why? Because I'm with my brothers. And not only with my brothers, because I know where two or three are gathered, he will also be there. Hallelujah. We must have something fresh from Christ. His word today for this hour, he's our freshness. <laughs> our bread that falls every day from heaven upon the believer. How many of you loves to go make you a sandwich and you pull out the bread and it's got a bunch of mold on it? No, no, he don't want that kind of offering either. 
No, no. Right. I'm chunking this in the garbage. Right. Amen. He says he's, he's that freshness every day. He's our Bethlehem, God's house of eternal life bread. Christ was born in Bethlehem and became God's house of eternal life bread. He's the bread of life. He's our Bethlehem. Christ is our Bethlehem. Amen. We call the natural bread like our light bread and stuff we get. Amen. We call it the staff of life. Jesus is God's life, his staff, his bread of life. And he said it is now given to you every day. But that's what the Holy Spirit is, that anointing. It's your assurance. It's your protection. It's your witness. It's your seal. It's your sign. You're heaven bound. He sealed me. He gave it to me. He sealed me into his kingdom. I'm glory bound. Let the winds blow. Let Satan do what he wants to. God sealed me till the day of my redemption. That's what the Holy Ghost is. They're all coming down upon you. Amen. Even Brother Brown talks about the cold drafts you used to face as a boy. He said, what would happen would be, he said, as long as I stayed under the covers, I was okay. Those cold drafts would go right over him. I would be fine the next morning. But somehow, if I kicked out of the covers and I got out from behind them, I would wake up the next morning. My eyes would be matted shut. And I couldn't see to get down to go have breakfast. And I'd begin to cry out, Mama, Mama, help me. And she'd bring some old coon grease. And she would bring it up there and she'd begin to take those matted eyes and begin to rub on them until it would loosen up that old mat and things. And why? Because he had got out of the protection and got into the face of the cold winds. And he said, what is going on with the churches? What is going on with the individuals? Why are they cold in their seats? Why are they in the position that they are? Because they got out of the protection of the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the shield of faith and they stepped out behind the word and the cold drafts of denominations the cold drafts of creeds and dogmas and ideas of things going by well that's for another day we don't have to be like that no more we got the word and the word only and they do away with the spirit they do away with the blood they do away do away do away until we're nothing but a bunch of stripped down humanity impossible to overcome impossible to be free but I'm telling you that's not the way it is There's a word here that it can be rubbed upon your eyes and you can see who you are. You're not some just cold, old, decrepit human being, but the power of God is here to set you free. And you can see who you really are again by the power, the anointing hole to be placed upon your eyes. We see how it goes in our lives. Turn to 1 Samuel 17, verse 22. Very familiar scripture. Very familiar story. We could read the beginning of this chapter, but for time's sake, we know the, the, what, if, what was said. How the Goliath came out and he made his boast for 40 days. And, you know, here they encamped, and I, you know, I stood there in that very same field, walked down that little brook as David would reach down, and, you know, I got a pretty vivid imagination sometimes, and I could hear the voices and the screams just in my mind, you know, trying to play it back out. 
It's a pretty deep little hill, uh, valley now where that brook is. I don't know if it was exactly like that in his time, but it's the way it is now. And You'd have to go and go down in there, and you can't see the hill where Goliath was for a moment, but you come up on the other side, and you can see that hill. And I was down there picking up some stones. I got some tonight. Five of them, in case you got a Goliath. And there they are. I'll put some on this side so you can see them too. Walking down there, and I begin to think of David. And here David came into this, into this campment, and it's a big, big valley, and a pretty good-sized valley, and there's a mountain on one side and a mountain on the other. And they said Goliath would come down that hill and make his challenge, and he'd go back up that big old giant hill with all that armor on and things, just to show how strong he was and how mighty he was and how amazing he was and how great he was and how invincible he was. And, and, you know, and, and show all these sayings and hear this army that's, of the Israel that's over on the other side. Now, I want you to understand, all this land belongs to Israel. It all belongs to Israel, but here's the enemy come upon their mountain. Upon a place God had given them, and, and God had given it to them by a promise. And here David comes, and he walks into this camp. And I love how Brother Branham says it in one place. He said, he said, that challenge was given day after day after day after day. He said, but that particular day, it fell upon the wrong ears. He said, there happened to be another set of ears in the camp. There, had to be a, there was a set of ears that was there that had been anointed by a prophet. Amen. And they wasn't listening to the naysaying and how impossible it was. And you couldn't overcome it and you can't overcome it. I'm too great and I'm too mighty. And I'm too, he wasn't listening to that. All he was listening was the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The mighty run into it and are saved. And here he comes and it says David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper and ran into the army. Boy, I don't sound like nobody that's scared, does it? No, no, he ain't running away. He's running into the army. He's like, what is your problem? Why are you allowing this man to do this? Why are you? He's an uncircumcised Philistine. You have been circumcised. You've been given the promises. The promise wasn't just to Abraham. It was to his seed also. You've been given the promise. Why aren't you doing something about it? He's on your land. He's on your inheritance. He's making his challenge on what God give you. Brother Branham said when David faced the lion and he faced the bear, he said he realized the God that made the mountain was the God who made the bear. And the God who made the mountain was greater than the bear, is greater than the lion. Hallelujah. He says, hear this Philistine. Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the men, the man fled from him and were sore afraid. Have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy the Israel as he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make him his father's house free in Israel. And David spoke to the men that stood by him saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done that the man that killeth him. And now his brothers come along. Ah, you're just making yourself out to be somebody. Won't you just shut up and go back home and tend the sheep? Come on, just go on back. You don't need to get all excited in church. Just come to church, go back, and just, you know, just, just, David, you're causing a ruckus. David causing, no, Goliath's the one causing the ruckus. David's just looking at him like, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former matter. And when the words were heard, which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for them. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine. Thou art a youth. The man of, he's a man of war from his youth. And he tells him about the lion. He tells him about the bear. And he says, I went after him and I smote him. Delivered him out of his mouth. I caught the lion by his beard. Oh, David had some testimonies. Even in light, don't ever forget your testimonies. Somebody says you can't do it, you can tell them God already did it. What are you talking about? Don't forget your testimonies. Caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. The servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. What? Dead. And Saul said, go, and the Lord be with thee. And so he puts his armor of brass and his shield on him and all these things. And David's standing there, this little boy, holding this, holding this big old door of a shield. And he's kind of crumbling in the weight, and he's, I, I haven't proved none of this. I've already got what God's given me. And I'm just going to go face him with what God's given me. And David, as he begins to walk, he walks down that hill. And I can just see him. He walked down that hill and he got to that little brook. And here in this brook down here in this valley was these five stones. And he just began to pick them up out of the, out of the brook. He began to pick them up, take a peek over that hill. Yep, he's still there. Yep, he's still here. Boy, that looks like a good giant killer right there, don't it? Man, I'm going to tell you, I went down that little brook and the hair stood up on the back of my head. Because I realized I'm also a son of David. And we've been given the commission in this hour, go cast him out. Picks up another stone. Yep. I need five of them. He picks up, man, don't that look good right there? That ought to hit him right there. You shoot slingshots, don't you? Yeah, that'll hit him. Gets him in his little shepherd's bag. Begins to walk up towards that Goliath. And this Goliath is sitting at the edge of that big old hill. He'd come down that morning. He's just sitting there looking out across. He'd made his boast, and he's just waiting. And all of a sudden, he sees this little guy come crawling out of this ditch. And come stepping up. And all he sees is his head. Then he gets on up here. And he gets on up here, and he gets on up, and he's like, what in the world is this? Am I a dog? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you a question for you. Yeah. 
Am I a dog that you'll send me some little boy to come? Send me a man. And he makes his boast. But what did David do? He picked up something that was in the land. That had been a promise that had been laying there for who knows how long. That promise had been laying there 40 days. It had been anybody could have picked up that rock as long as they was anointed by the same power and realized who they were. It was already in the land. I'm here to tell you tonight, church, your promises is already laying there. It's been laying there for 50 years. It's been laying there for 2,000 years. And all you got to do is pick up that promise. Put it in that Old Testament and that New Testament and you begin to swing that swing, that sling around and around. God will make sure it hits the mark. Hallelujah. There ought to be a people here that says, I want to pick up my promise. Hallelujah. That Goliath is saying you can't have your children. Pick up your promise. It's in the land. David didn't have no shield per se as what you can see with these natural eyes. But the prophet of God picked it up. And he said, David had a shield. His shield you couldn't see with the natural eyes. But his shield, I come at you in the name of the Lord. There was an anointing that was there that would take down every Philistine. Oh, yes. And we know the story as he slung it and sunk it to his forehead. Verse 50, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran. This is about the third time he ran because he also ran to Goliath. He ran. And he took that sword and he drew it out of his sheath and he slew him and he cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Hallelujah. Reminds me of a David in our day. Amen. When he was standing behind a pulpit and a man came in Portland, Oregon, I believe it was, and made a challenge. And he said, God accepted his challenge. Hallelujah. For the God of the hill is greater than Goliath. The God of the hills, he made those hills. And he placed it there for your inheritance. And how dare an uncircumcised devil come put his foot on it. And that David in our day, he showed us how to whip Goliath. Not my might, not my power, but by what? Anointing. His spirit, saith the Lord. His, his anointing. And then Brother Branham would say, man, that man make his challenge, spit on him. He said, I'll hit you. And he says, before he knew it, his voice began to speak. He says, you'll fall at my feet. Because you've challenged God, you'll fall at my feet. And he reared back, and here he came, pinned his feet to the floor. And the policeman come running up, and he says, is he, is he okay? Is it all right? Is he delivered? No, he's not delivered. He worships that spirit. Right. Will you just roll, kindly roll him off my feet? He moves back. And he goes, as I was saying. <laughs> Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
About that time, this one pops up out of a wheelchair. This one jumps off of a cot. That one jumps uphill. He said within about five minutes' time, the whole building, everybody in the whole building was healed. He said, why? Because the chief of that tribe of demons made his challenge, and he lost. And when they saw their chief fall, the rest of them fled. Hallelujah. Amen. We face giants in this church. Amen. And the Goliaths have failed. We've seen Goliaths of alopecia and cancer fall. Well, if they have fallen, everything else will fall. It ought to give us a charge in our hearts and go after your enemy. Because you have a shield of faith anointed by the power of God. Hallelujah. He said, the littlest man, the most unequipped man, not a fighter, a kid, not armor, a bare body, not a shield on him, but a piece of sheepskin wrapped around him. He didn't have nothing, so to speak of, but he wanted to fight that man because he was trying to come after God's sheep. And if God could deliver the sheep, how much more will he deliver his family, his people? His purchased possession. He said, Chicago, that's the reason we're here. We are, you are more than just sheep. Even tonight, that's why we're here tonight. You're more than just sheep. You're God's people. And we don't have to have an intellectual or great denomination behind us. We know that sickness has caught you and you're gripped in the cares of the world. But we have come in the name of the Lord Jesus. And even if the doctor turns you down, we don't care. We come to bring you back to health. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, with a little slingshot of his word, two little slings, two little strings, he said, new and Old Testament, holding Jesus in between them. And we come to take you back to where you belong. Hallelujah. That's exactly what David did. He came and took those, those Philistines and drove them off that mountain. And David come back and he took them back to where they belong. He said when he met that bear and he met that lion, David's thought was, God made me superior to the lion. And God has made you superior to whatever you face. He wasn't afraid of Goliath because he was an unbeliever. What was there to be scared about? When Goliath came out and cursed him in the name of his God, Goliath many times bigger, great big 14-inch fingers. Heard Brother Darrell Ward say his kind of fingers, he slapped you on one side of the face, he'd come around and slap you on the other side. Great big metal on him. Seemed impossible. What an opposition. And there he was standing, boasting about himself, bragging. Seems like the odds is down in his favor. Oh, let's don't have no bloodshed. Let one man come and fight me. And if I win, we'll serve you. You'll serve me. But if we win, or if you win, we'll serve you. What happened to that? They didn't hold to that one, did they? They seen their man fall. They took off, gone. The devil, is he can try to make a You know, don't make a deal with the devil. He's not going to keep it. 
Amen. And so here they are. If you win, we'll serve you. When the devil thinks he's got the odds on you, that's when he likes to brag. <laughs> Hello, somebody. If he's bragging to you that you ain't going to make it, he thinks the odds are in his favor. But he met the wrong man. He said, do you mean to tell me that the armies of the living God will stand there and let that uncircumcised Philistine defy the army of the living God? Think about that statement. Why, well, I was shocked at it. He was a believer. Others are make-believers. He was a genuine believer. He said, if you're afraid, I'll go fight him. What a challenge for a little guy like that. When that uncircumcised Philistine cursed him in the name of his God, am I a dog, a little bitty, nothing will come and fight me? Are you crazy? I'll pick you up with the end of my spear, and I'll hang you up there and let the birds pick your flesh. What a horrible fellow he was. But David said, you meet me with a sword and a spear and armor, but I meet you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. There you are. That's a true believer. Amen. That's his fortress. That's his shield. That's his defense. That's what the church's defense is. Any believer is the name of Jesus Christ. It's stronger than any adversary. We're made partakers of his holiness. Listen to this for a moment. In his image, we're the image of the living God. Dead to self, raised with him. His word made flesh again in us. What is it? Not the mythical, imaginary God sitting out there somewhere, but a living God. The word in you making itself real. Let this sink in. Glory to God. He said, I know you might think I'm going to be a holy roller. Maybe I am, but oh, brother... Do you see it? Triumphant over every denomination. Triumphant over all paganism. Triumphant over every sin. A living God made manifest in the living temple. And the word of God, which is God, is made flesh in you. While you're seated in heavenly places. Triumphed over all things in Christ Jesus. Oh, I just love it. I have to skip some things he says and go home. But listen, the least of his believers, no matter how long or how little or whatever you are, the least of his believers in him has all evil under them. Christ is the head of the body. Well, wherever the head is, the body is glory. Where my head goes, it takes my body. Where Jesus is, the church is with him. He don't get out of his word. He stays in his word, watches over, makes it manifest. His church is with him. You say, well, Brother Branham, I'm the least one. That's the soles of his feet. But remember, he triumphed with you. And he triumphed with you over every bit of it. Even if you're the lowest, the soles of his feet, every sickness, every devil, every power, even death itself is under your feet. You say, I have no power, neither do I. Brother Branham, I'm a weakling, I'm not, but I'm not dependent on my strength. It ain't my strength, I'm dependent on the authority that's been given to me. Now it's the same thing David was doing. It wasn't his strength. He wasn't looking at the, that Goliath and saying, you know what? Boy, I think I can whoop him this morning. I ate my Wheaties. No. 
I drank two protein shakes on the way here. No. No, no. That wasn't what he was depending on. He was depending on the anointing. Brother Branham would pick it up and he'd say people, people draw Samson as some big guy that just so big, tall, wide shoulders, huge muscles. I remember as a children's Bible, you look at Samson, he's just a big old giant of a man. And no wonder he could pick up a gate maybe and tote it up to the top of the hill. But he said that wasn't who Samson was. He was a little scrawny fellow with yellow curls coming down his, hair, down his back. Shrimp of a fella. But it wasn't Samson. It was the anointing. It was the covenant that was given him. And as long as he kept God's covenant, when he depended upon him, when it happened and God come upon him, he'd jerk the gates off his hinges and tear them all, carry them all the way to the top of the hill. He'd pick up a jawbone and kill a thousand. He'd do all kinds of things. Incredible feats. But it wasn't a man. We're not depending upon our own strength. We're depending upon him. It's not me as strong. I ain't strong. He's strong. We could talk about, you know, the policemen out there. They ain't got no power to stop nothing. But they got the authority. There's a badge. It's also called a shield. Right there upon him that says every power of the city or the state of Louisiana, whatever law enforcement they are in, whatever it is, or federal officers, whatever, is behind them. And if they can't do it, there's something behind them they can. Amen. And this is exactly what it's showing you as you carry your shield of faith. You're going to get weak. You're going to get tired. You're going to have times that you don't know what's happening, but you've been applying an anointing every day. You've been there praying. You've been seeking after God. And you've been oiling up that shield. And, and that thing, that enemy tries to come in. And all of a sudden, whoosh, something takes over. And you begin to speak or you begin to say things. And you don't, not even words that's in your thoughts. It just comes out. And God backs it up. Because it wasn't you. It was God that was speaking. It wasn't David that said, I'll go fight him. It was God that was inside of David. He was beginning to come into that anointing, that shield. Let's put on the whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation, a great big shield the size of a door. Faith. It's not what he is, it's what you represent. It ain't that little man standing behind a badge, just an ordinary man. But it's what he represents. It's not who we are, it's who we represent. Our armor is Jesus Christ. All devils slide their brakes when they see it. <laughs> when they see the full armor of God, the true baptism of the Holy Ghost, they see it come straight from the throne of God, dressed in the full armor of his resurrection. Not that you're strong, you're nothing. It's what's behind you. You're dead. But you join the army. You join the police force. And you're going to keep the law. And you're going to control those devils. Hello, did you hear that tonight? He said, you've joined the army. You've joined the police force. And you're going to keep the law. This message wasn't a law to govern you. This message is a law to keep the devil where he belongs. 
Amen. There's a law that stands there. It says you can only come so far. Just in Israel, they got what's called the Iron Dome. It's a rocket uh, force that can dispatch when the enemy fires rockets and happens almost daily, seems like. Constant under attack. Their little country, if you look at their little country and you see all the Muslim nations around them, it's a miracle that they're still there today. And the only reason why they're there is because this said they would be. Amen. So here they are, and they're under this attack. Just some years ago, I was reading, reading it again today. It said that, said that there was a, uh, the, the Israeli soldier who was in control of the rockets, and there were several that was coming in, and he was, they would pinpoint him, this, this thing so sophisticated, it checks wind direction, it does all this. It's trying to intercept that rocket. And he said he had sent, he sent after these rockets, and his rockets missed. He said he had just a few seconds and there's going to be an explosion. They were shooting towards basically the United States, the same thing as the United States Pentagon. To their nucleus where their whole vein comes from of their defense and everything. And here this rocket is coming. And he said, I watched. And he said, I looked on my screen. And he said, I seen where this east wind came at a very strong rate. And he took that rocket and it blew it out into the sea. And he said, I jumped up to my feet and I screamed, there is a God. He said, because I knew I'd done all I could. I'd given all I could. I'd sent everything I could up there to knock it down. And I couldn't do it. And it was only a few moments to impact. And then out of nowhere, here comes this wind and blows it into the sea. And the enemy says, he said, it's not fair. Their God changes the direction of our rockets. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe sometimes you've done all you can do. You've shot everything you could and you've given all you can. But at the last moment, that wind of faith will come blowing through there. And it'll blow it right off its track. Something that was meant for your demise, something that was meant to destroy you, is blown into the sea of God's forgetfulness. Hallelujah. What a blessed people we are today to serve a God, a true living God who will take the wild, the fiery darts of the enemy when they start coming in time after time after time. There's an anointing there that breaks the yoke of that thing and it blows it off course. Hallelujah. Psalms 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusteth in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is our strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Are you his anointed tonight? He's your saving strength. When you don't have no strength, he is your saving strength. Psalms 91.1, my, we could read the whole scripture. But he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. 119, 114 says, Thou art my hiding place 
and my shield, I hope and shall trust in thy word. 144.1 says, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, that which teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield. He in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. It's Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. <laughs> We're not trusting in some man-made iron dome. And it works. It shoots, I think they said, 80-something percent down. Has good success rate as far as you... As far as humanly speaking, but this God hadn't lost one battle. Amen. He ain't missed one time. Right. He knows and trusts in his word, and his word will come to pass. Every word of God is pure or true. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Amen. Do you need a shield tonight? He's your shield. Maybe tonight you realize, you know what? I hadn't been oiling my shield. We'll start today. I've seen leather. You can take leather that's been dried up, so dried up, it almost looks impossible that it could be any good, and you stick it back in the oil. Brother Mike Ware knows about that. You can find a Coleman lantern that's been 70, 80 years old and been, maybe not had a drop of oil in it, and it's got this little leather pump cap that pumps air into it. It dries out, and it can become very brittle. But if you'll take it and you'll stick it in the oil, it'll once, be, once again become renewed. Soaks in that oil, and it becomes pliable again. Becomes available again for use. Maybe you've been unavailable lately. You hadn't been there where you should be. Get back in the oil. Let the anointing of God, the presence of God, just wash over you again. Maybe you need to go as Brother Jerry and Sister Phyllis sings that song. Let me feel your spirit one more time. God, wash over me. Lord, don't let me get in that condition where my eyes are all cankered up and I can't see it. And I get all down and things happen and, and the darts of the enemy, depression and doubts and fears are coming. And I don't know what to do, but God, let me get back in the oil again. The flow of the Holy Ghost. And if I, I've stepped out, forgive me, God. Let me get back in. Yeah. Yeah. And your life will become usable one more time in his presence. Let's bow our heads. Laodicea is cold. It's dark. So dark. So dark. Maybe you look at an old shield. Is there really any hope? It's battered. If it's dried up, Brother Timothy. I've allowed things to come in. Dip it in the oil again. Not just today, every day. Find a place with God to where you can have communion with Him. 
Maybe as you look over your shield tonight, maybe you see it lacking some. I just want to say, Lord, pour over me one more time. Just let me be dipped back into your presence more. So that renewing can come, that refreshing of the Holy Ghost. There's one feeling, but many refillings. Lord, let your presence come upon me one more time. Fall upon me, Lord. Help me to get out of my cold condition. I know we pull on the young people for their times in the presence of the Lord, but what about tonight? We just say to the older ones among us, you've been fighting a long time. Maybe your shield has gotten a little cracked. Been in the battle. Been fighting. The darts of the enemy coming in every side into your family. But just back into his presence again. Lord, renew my joy once more. The joy of thy salvation. I've allowed the coldness of Laodicea and the things that's happened in my family and the things that's taken place just to strip the joy off. And I, I just want that to return, Lord. I, I want to step back into your presence again and feel the power of God moving in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh my, you know, we expect our young people to sing and worship and react to the word, but what about us? Lord, renew that life in me again. Come tonight, Lord, and apply that all of the anointing of the Holy Ghost on my eyes to where you, you can take these old cankers off. It's not that you're not an eagle. It's not that you're not a soldier of God, but many times we get in the battle. Our spirits get dried up. Things happen. Lord, let your presence once again just surround me. What are how many of you tonight that's been fighting a long time? Just raise your hands up and say, Lord, I want to be dipped again into your presence. Pour your spirit out on me, Lord. Not just on a Wednesday night. That's wonderful. But every day, God, let me just have a fresh experience with you, Lord. An up-to-date experience. Not just rely on yesterday or some camp meeting to go, but, Lord, every day. Yes, Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet then and lift your hands and say, God, come down to me, Lord. I want to be an open vessel to receive tonight of your Holy Ghost, of your presence, your anointing to come down upon my life again. Fill every crack, fill every crevice, Lord, every dry place, Lord. Sometimes we don't realize how dry we get. 
But Lord, let the water of the Holy Ghost, the waterings of the Spirit of God just pour down into our lives. Take a deep drink again. Father God, you see our hands lifted up, Lord. Lord, we get into the battle so many times and it seems like day after day, month after month, year after year. Lord, we don't take the time to oil our shields. Lord, we don't take the time to really saturate ourselves in your presence sometimes. And Lord, sometimes we get so dry and we get so cracked and broken. Things happening in our families, things happening here and things going on there and death and dying and all, all kinds of stuff. But Lord, tonight these hands are lifted all over this building. Pour your spirit out one more time, God. Lord, let even in light receive just another dose of the Holy Ghost to pour out a refreshing in the presence of God. Lord, to break past every dry and broken place, Lord. Let the waters, Lord, just of heaven just begin to rain down upon every life, upon every father, upon every daughter, upon every son, upon every mother, every grandpa, every grandmother, Lord. Every person in this building, Lord, that has their hands lifted, let the Holy Ghost fall upon our lives, Lord. God, that you can water it once again, Lord. That you can pour out your presence upon us, Lord. Your anointing, Lord, to go forth again into the battle. Because the battle is not going to stop. It's going to continue. It's going to rage. The enemy's going to make its boast. But God, let the Davids this morning or tonight take another drink, Lord. Take another breath. Take another just into themselves, Lord, the presence of Almighty God. Renewing, Lord. Granted, Jesus, I pray. I feel the pull. Oh, I hear. Oh, yes, it's all your shield for a moment. Your spirit. 